Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. On today's episode, I'm joined by Chris Clow, editor of Reverse Mortgage Daily, to talk about how a surge in HELOCs is affecting the reverse space, the drop in reverse refi volume, and much more. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Since 2015, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers, closing more than $134 billion in loan volume. Licensed in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, Finance of America Mortgage is backed by best-in-class lending technology and a wide range of innovative mortgage products that can help turn any borrower into a customer for life. Want to join an award-winning team and elevate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housing wire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1071. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me back, Sarah. It's always a pleasure to join you. Always a pleasure to have you and find out what is going on with reverse. And we have a lot of things um, that you've been reporting on, would love to dig into. Maybe first, let's talk about HELOCs and and how that uh, affects reverse. Sure. Yeah. So this, I have to give full credit to uh, to giving me the idea of the angle for Bill Conroy's recent reporting on the HELOC space, because he's been keeping up with the fact that HELOC volume has been rising. And naturally, the thing that perked my ears up when I saw what he was talking about when it came to HELOC volume was just that that's a home equity lending instrument. And uh, there is a lot of discussion and debate surrounding whether or not a rise in any home equity lending segment could provide an in for reverse mortgage professionals to talk more widely and openly with potential prospects about exploring that option as opposed to HELOCs because the HELOC market is larger than reverse. I mean, that's true of most mortgage markets in comparison to reverse, but there are some potential drawbacks for a HELOC when it comes specifically to seniors. And uh, I remember a few years ago, even writing about how uh, at the onset of the pandemic, Chase totally suspended their HELOCs and kind of left HELOC borrowers high and dry because they can do that at the drop of a hat. If it's if the terms are no longer beneficial in the wider economy, they can basically retract their HELOCs. And you cannot do that with a reverse mortgage. So obviously, HELOCs don't have an age requirement. That's one of the things that likely allows them to proliferate beyond the bounds of a reverse mortgage. But still, originators are often very concerned with trying to find ways to bring uh, the topic of home equity lending into the broader retirement conversation. And a rise in interest in HELOCs is conceivably a way to do that. So I talked to originators on uh, on the West Coast and the East Coast to try and get a, a broader idea. And of course, reverse mortgage originators as a block are not a monolith, but uh, both of these professionals that I spoke to are pretty high performers. So I just asked them straight up if uh, if HELOC volumes rise was a good portent potentially for 
uh, seeking out new reverse borrowers, and they both agreed generally that it was. Their approaches were pretty different. I spoke to Laurie McNaughton uh, from Atlantic Coast Mortgage right outside of Washington, D.C., and she said that, yes, there is likely some additional interest that will come from reverse. However, all of the problems that existed a week ago in terms of how to get in touch with borrowers and what to project for them uh, are still in play. So reverse mortgage professionals need to be very careful not to come off as overly salesy, which some of them can tend to do uh, when it comes to try and connect with borrowers uh, on that basis. And then uh, over on the West Coast, I spoke to uh, Jeff Markell. He's a reverse mortgage professional with Empire Home Loans out of Southern California. And for him, more HELOC interest just emphasize that the right product can be there for the right borrower, depending on where they are in their lives. And the individual needs that seniors have may not fit a HELOC specifically, but if they're still determined to tap on their home equity uh, for additional cash flow or to create uh, a little more stability in their overall financial picture, then it's possible that a reverse mortgage could be uh, a viable option for them. So there's a lot of other angles that come with uh, with the senior borrower in particular, you know, senior borrowers, because they're the ones who qualify for reverse, just by definition, have more types of loan products available to them. But the reverse mortgage industry, of course, is still trying to uh, make sure that they get the word out about the product in the most judicious way. Uh, and there's no single way to do that. I think, you know, something that strikes me when I think about, you know, the rise of, you know, people's home equity, I know things have cooled down a little bit, but still people are up over two or three years, right? Quite a bit. And I think that this is a case where if you were a lender who had both afford and reverse uh, emphasis, it would really help you because if you're, if you have, you know, your typical forward LO talking to someone who's maybe of this age, talking about uh, a HELOC, you know, it doesn't really do them a lot of good. They First of all, they're probably not very familiar with the reverse product, but how do they then, how does it benefit them to be like, hey, let's talk about reverse? Whereas if you, you know, if you're part of a company and you're, you, you have colleagues who do that, you're aware of how that works and you can like hand them off. That seems to me a win for that mortgage company, for the lender to, you know, not lose that borrower who maybe has even a, a better chance for a reverse. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, I mean, the conversations can vary because when I spoke to Lori about what this could mean, she had a little bit more emphasis on referral partners, particularly financial planners and financial planners. It was taught to me long ago when I first started this way back in the yonder eras of 2018, that, uh, <laughs> that financial planners are far more concerned uh, with the risk of loss as opposed to the prospect of gain. So um, whatever is going to introduce additional stability into their clients' finances, particularly for senior clients who are reliant on fixed income sources primarily, at least by and large, um, then you have to, as a reverse mortgage originator, make a very competent and well-reasoned case about why this product is not going to introduce any additional risk for this client. So that's where the conversations can come into play regarding uh, what happens when the loan matures, what happens when the borrower dies, what happens to a non-borrowing spouse if they want to remain in the home after the, the borrowing spouse passes away. And there have been a lot of new protections introduced into the product category over the past seven years or so. 
that uh, give more power to non-borrowing spouses in particular. So it just opens up a whole potentially in-depth conversation with those financial planner referral partners about how exactly a reverse mortgage can be something to introduce further stability as opposed to creating an additional risk of loss. So there's a lot of dynamics in play and originators who, and, and the industry at large really, that is so obsessed with education uh, would be or would do well to consider how they project the possibilities that a reverse mortgage presents to someone, especially in this climate of increased home values and uh, and and potentially new opportunities to at least bring reverse to people that may not have considered it before. You know, I think referral partners are important in this purchase market for everyone, but you can understand at all times how important those referral partners are for reverse because, you know, to have a trusted partner like a financial advisor, financial planner that someone's been working with a long time, bring this up, really elevates it from, you know, the old script about reverse mortgage that many people still have, right? That, uh, you know, the old one. So to have somebody who has been handling your finances, is a trusted advisor, bring it up and show the way that this could work, I would think um, just goes miles for for the reverse space. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that because the perception uh, continues to persist about what reverse mortgages were like, particularly in the wake of the financial crisis of 2007 and eight. Um, so much so that, that Steve Martin cracked a joke about reverse mortgages at the Emmys to play off of that notion for uh, for comedic effect. And I mean, I laughed at that joke. So that, that I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Chris, how dare you laugh at that joke? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it it is funny because I'm sure that Steve Martin... I mean, like Steve Martin on many levels, has no idea about, you know, is a reverse mortgage at this point. I mean, does he know about the regulations? Does he know about, of course he doesn't, you know, most people don't. And so I do think that it's just a long-term effort. And I know that the reverse mortgage industry is doing so much to change that. I'm sure there was, it was, it was like nails on a chalkboard if you were an executive or LO at a reverse lender. I mean, it might have been. I mean, I can I can see it both ways, you know, uh, because the joke in general was pretty tame. It was basically uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez, who were all on a Hulu show called Only Murders in the Building. I love together. that show. Yes. My wife is a huge fan. I'm a um, huge fan. Yeah, I've watched it a little bit. And I think, I mean, Martin Short and Steve Martin are funny. And I didn't realize that Selena Gomez had comedic jobs until I watched it. So it was a pleasant surprise there, too. But um, no, it was just... Uh, They were starting to have like uh, orchestrated barbs between each other about the massive egos of both Martin Short and Steve Martin and Selena Gomez was kind of caught in the middle. It was a funny bit. And then just kind of out of the blue, Steve Martin says, now we'll get down to the reason why we're all here. Have you or your loved ones ever considered a reverse mortgage? (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's it is funny. Yeah, I mean, it plays on the perception of what reverse mortgage outreach is like, which is totally accurate, frankly. But also, too, uh, I mean, Steve Martin himself, he turned 77 this year. That's That's crazy. The same age as Tom Selleck, you know. And one of the things that I pointed out when I wrote about it is that's actually just a few years younger than Barbara Eden was back in 2011. And so far, she is the only a woman who has ever served as a spokesperson for a reverse mortgage company. She did an ad for one reverse mortgage, which used to be a a lender under Quicken Loans uh, back in 2011. And uh, so she she was 80, I think, when she did that ad in 77. So he would be, you know, well-suited 
if a reverse mortgage company ever got him on board, then he wouldn't <laughs> seem out of place. But I seriously doubt he would be involved in that. But I just thought that it was kind of funny as a, like a confluence of all of the perceptions of the product. But it also seriously does bring up potential conversation points about what the industry can do to potentially reform its image. You know, that that's the nice thing about comedians is they highlight these things. It's true. And he wasn't saying it in a bad way. I mean, it wasn't no. like, it, it wasn't a slam on it. It was just, it was funny. And one of the running jokes on that show, Only Murders in the Building, is Celine uh, Gomez just pokes fun at them both for their lack of, you know, for being old. Sure, right. <laughs> so uh, so I, I do think that's funny. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, let's, let's pivot a little bit and talk about volume. Um, what are some of the numbers we're seeing as far as, you know, reverse volume? Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny because certain elements of volume data are staggered a little bit. So there was actually some recent um, breakout data that came out for July's volume, and in in general, volume in July went down just over seventeen percent, and that's still to a uh, little over forty nine hundred loans for that month. And historically speaking, just from an industry sp- specific perspective, that's still pretty high. Uh, volume levels either near or above 5,000 units a month would have been unheard of even just a few years ago. Um, but when it comes to the the decrease that was seen in July, uh, it looks like the retail segment actually had a, a slightly larger loss than the wholesale segment. It was relatively even, but I, I always think that it's kind of interesting to point out what those dynamics are because you're talking, you know, the retail person to person loan originators versus like the call center environment and what is working and is there a reason why one is working more than the other. But the thing that kind of throws a little bit of a monkey wrench into it is that the following month, we haven't seen individual channel breakout data for August yet, but the following month volume actually rose. Uh, it, it, it went up uh, just about just over 16% to just over 5,700 loans. So that almost erased the drop that was seen in July. Um, So the volume dynamics seem like they have not yet settled. There's a lot of different uh, components at play when it comes to just the mortgage business broadly. And when it comes to the reverse business, it still seems like originators are, are hitting the bricks to find new people. But perhaps the most uh, the most interesting component of the July breakout data is that you know we, we're coming off of a big heckam to heckam refinance boom where people who were previous reverse mortgage borrowers refied into new ones, likely on the back of the more favorable rate environment that we saw about a year ago. Um, but heckam to heckam refinance volume dropped pretty significantly in July. So once the individual channel data comes out for August. I'm going to be really interested to see what the source of the bump is going to be and if those refi volume levels remain uh, reduced or depressed um, in comparison with what we saw in July. So I've been talking to analysts over the past several months about the impending and then the passing end of the refi boom because last year, refi volume made up either at or very closely over 50% of total reverse mortgage volume. Um, if originators are able to pivot to new customers and still keep volume at the high five thousands per month, or maybe even slightly over 6,000, that's a pretty good recovery. But then you have a monkey wrench thrown into the mix. You know, we're going to find out what the rate environment is going to look like by the end of the week. 
uh, that might change things entirely. It might make things a little more difficult for originators if they have to tell borrowers you can't get as much money for a reverse mortgage now. So there's a lot. This seems like an inflection point, I guess. It's hard to tell exactly how things are going to look by the end of the year, but uh, we'll be very interested to see. It's interesting that the reverse, you know, volume really for refi was so much you know, it lagged so much on on the forward side because, of course, we've seen that since starting in March, and and then June and July with the interest rates going up just took a, a huge hit, um, which we all knew was coming. And in reverse, uh, the same, but the fact that still it was still uh, such a big part of it until later in the summer shows that this is a, you know a different product. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the rate environment was always going to be a, a big determining factor about whether or not uh, refis were going to take off, and they certainly did. But the analysts that I speak to on a reasonably regular basis consistently warned the industry, this is unsustainable. Uh, reverse mortgages in general have single di- digit market penetration. You know, it's like just over 2%, I think, at large. Uh, so there's a lot of borrowers out there that can potentially be served by a reverse mortgage if originators and lenders keep going back to people who are already engaged with the product you're not going to grow the business and that's what the industry uh, has been so concerned with doing over the past several years particularly over the last decade when major banking institutions like Wells Fargo and Bank of America got out of the reverse mortgage business that did a significant amount of damage to the distribution channels for the industry and volume just tanked after that. But those who are sticking with it and who are focused on finding new borrowers are seeing some pretty big upsides. At least that's what I've been hearing. So it'll be really interesting to see how things shake out over the next couple of months. Um, I had a exclusive interview that I think I've talked about on this show before with the FHA commissioner, Julia Gordon, about a month and a half ago. And uh, she indicated that the reverse mortgage book of business inside the mutual mortgage insurance fund is performing well, that uh, the uh, HUD annual report to Congress will feature details about that. And it's probably going to drop sometime in November. But um, all of these things combine into giving a very clear picture of the state of the reverse mortgage industry. And we'll have to see if volume can be maintained through the end of the year. Well, and of course, the the larger story, the, the background of all of this is just the demographic fact of all of the people of a certain age wanting to age in place. Many of them are, are homeowners, um, the baby boomers as a as a uh, percentage of, of the homeowners of, in America. You know, they've had a whole lifetime to... Um, you know, to buy a house, to gain equity in that house. And now, you know, we see that as opposed to like the silver tsunami of people wanting to sell, most people want to age in place. So we know that this is, you know, no matter what the volume is now, it's it's reasonable to expect that that volume is going to continue to grow over the next several years. Absolutely. Especially considering the trend of, of demographics, because not only are uh, more and more people turning 62 every day, but you're also seeing a, a generational transition taking place. People in Generation X already qualify, at least for certain proprietary reverse mortgages, and uh, they're going to start qualifying in greater numbers for HECMs as years go by. And uh, by and large, Gen X is not as financially secure as their baby boomer parents were. So this could be a, a big difference maker in how the reverse mortgage industry is able to expand in the coming years. That's still a ways away. 
um, because Gen X is not going to be the dominant uh, demographic for the reverse mortgage industry for some time. But as more and more Gen X borrowers could come into the fold, who knows? It could make a pretty big difference in terms of expanding the availability of of the product category, and maybe that will have an effect on the distribution channels. It's all it's kind of hard to say at this point, but um, the the possibilities are certain certainly present. Listen, as a Gen Xer myself, I hope we're smart enough to take advantage of some of these things <laughs> as they come up. Um, the next thing I want to ask you about is you did a really interesting interview with Frank Borg. Um, so he's a reverse mortgage professional. And I would love to to dive into like how he got there. One of the things that I always did on Housing News, um, uh, that podcast, which is interviewing executives, is ask people how they got into the mortgage space. Because we all know it's not like... You grow up, oh, you want to be a fireman, a policeman, a mortgage loan officer, (laughs) what, you know? And so you see that people's route into the business is really, um, you know, it just is always different. And then you think about that into even the the section, the subsection of reverse. And so I think it's a really interesting story. So tell us a little bit about Frank. Yeah. So this really came out of my desire, honestly, to be able to get out of uh, my apartment more because Frank is actually not too far from where I live. Uh, So I actually just started looking for reverse mortgage professionals in my area and his name immediately popped up. So I thought it was interesting, first of all, that he seems to have the most well-developed online presence of reverse mortgage professionals north of Seattle. Uh, So I reached out to him and got a very interesting story out of it. I mean, he is someone who uh, tried his hand at uh, stage acting. And from what I understand, he still does that on uh, a reasonably regular basis, but uh, he actually worked for a while as a um, as a forward mortgage professional and decided to get out of the business because it was just becoming uh, a, a little bit too difficult and too much of a grind around 2014 when he exited. It was still uh, very much impacted by uh, the aftermath of the financial crisis. Um, and then after that, he actually became a yoga instructor. He has professional ballet experience. So he kind of parlayed that into being a yoga instructor. Uh, and then COVID happened. And with COVID, he didn't really like the idea of doing classes online. Prior to uh, becoming a yoga instructor, he actually got a certification in computer programming. But when he got a taste of that work, realized this isn't for me. I don't want to be cooped up in front of a computer for eight hours a day. And being an online yoga instructor, well, probably with additional health benefits, at least personally, <laughs> right. uh, it, it, it didn't have the uh, the kind of interpersonal connection that he wanted. So he decided to look back into getting uh, into the mortgage space again uh, and got a position at Fairway as, uh, as a mortgage professional. And because of Fairway's uh, consistent outreach spearheaded by its national reverse mortgage director, Harlan Akala, who I've spoken with a lot on RMD in the past. Uh, he, Frank decided to try his hand at reverse and he found something that had a pace that he felt was more agreeable. Uh, he likes how uh, consultative it is and how he has to keep in uh, reasonably regular contact with the borrower and, and provides a point of, uh, of trust and information for them. And uh, it sounds like his business is going well. Uh, but I thought that his story just really spoke to the nature of uh, of the, the key core fundamental differences between originating forward mortgages and originating reverse mortgages. Uh, a lot of the conversations that I have 
regarding forward origination from people in reverse who either used to do it or who still do it kind of on the side are that it's just a fundamentally different beast. It's not nearly as consultative. And uh, once you close, you're probably not going to talk to your client uh, again, unless something goes wrong, maybe on the servicing end. But uh, with reverse, it's totally different. You know, the reverse originators are often in regular contact with their clients years after closing because maybe they get solicits for refinances and they don't know where to turn. So they go to the person that they spoke to before. And uh, it's just so much more consultative and it is so much slower because you work with them so that they fully understand and comprehend the details of what they're getting into. And Frank's story really speaks to that. Not only did he have a lot of varied experiences before he got into reverse, which I think is interesting on its own, but uh, it just seemed like the work was a better fit for his personality. Uh, And I just thought that that was worth broadcasting to the RMD audience. I think it's really interesting. I I love seeing, you know, why do why do people choose to go into which part of the mortgage industry, right? And this is a huge, I mean, the whole real estate transaction, you've got real estate um, agents, you've got realtors, you've got people in title and settlement, you've got people in appraisal, you've got people on the lending side, both forward and reverse. I mean, it's it's a very big landscape. And it's fun to see somebody who settles into like, this is where I'm supposed to be, especially because it's such a cyclical business. I mean, I think his story of like being in the business doing something else, coming back to the business, lots of people can relate to because, you know, some people, they get in it and they really get that, you know, that it it scratches their itch. They're like, they really like mortgage. But sometimes you get, you know, um, you have to find something else to do in different cycles, but then you might want to come back to it. So I think that part is also um, very familiar to people in the mortgage space. Absolutely. I think that a lot of listeners of Housing Wire Daily and certainly a lot of Reverse Mortgage Daily's readers uh, will find at least some component of his story that they can relate to. Um, And, you know, I I start the story by saying, yeah, kids probably don't dream of being a reverse mortgage professional when they grow up. (laughs) So how someone finds their way into it I've done this, this feature series called Origins now for the better part of three years. And I always find the stories fascinating. I always find it interesting to see how reverse gets on their radar, especially if they've never touched the forward side. And then it just seems like a huge jump, right? But since no one has a singular path into mortgage at large or certainly reverse, uh, the stories are, are varied. And, uh, you know, variety is the spice of life, as they say. It is indeed. And I would um, at, tell all of our listeners, go check out Reverse Mortgage Daily and Chris's excellent reporting on all of these topics um, and more. And Chris, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for having me again, Sarah. have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW Plus membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the Housing Wire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like Housing Wire Annual, and more.
Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.